I want to start off today by declaring and making it well known today. Today is an awesome day. It really is. Today is an awesome, awesome day. I don't know if we really realize how awesome it is, but today is an awesome day. I want to ask if you'll look at your neighbor and tell them, it is an awesome day today. It is an awesome day. I want to tell you, I don't know that we really see that. I don't know we really believe that. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, no, really, it is an awesome day today. I used to hate when preachers did that. I really did. Uh, friends, it is an awesome day. It is truly, truly an awesome, awesome day. Let me tell you why today it is such an awesome day. We're in the middle of a sermon series on marriage and the family. Today we're looking very specifically at the subject of marriage. And for sure, on this subject, the culture today has spoken. The experts today, and there's a whole bunch of experts, the experts today have spoken, the, the courts today, the government today, they've spoken on the subject of marriage. The celebrities, the media, they've spoken. The atheists, the God deniers, they've spoken on the, the subject of marriage. In fact, it seems that everyone on this subject has spoken. But friends, I want to tell you, it is an awesome day because today we're going to hear what God says about the subject of marriage. We're going to hear the truth today, and it's his truth, and his truth still stands. That is an awesome, awesome thing. And some of you say, well, I just thought we were going to hear a sermon today. Listen, in the grace of God, and I don't know how we lose to all of this, in the grace of God, we have the word of God. And then in the plan of God, the Bible says in the foolishness of preaching, we're going to hear from God today on the subject of marriage. And that truly is an awesome thing. Today, our message is entitled Responsibility in Marriage. Responsibility in Marriage. We're in 1 Peter today. We're in chapter 3. We're going to look at just one verse today, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, today, verse 7. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 3, today, the 7th verse. And it says this, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we sing this song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And we are reminded how awesome you are, how dependable you are, how trustworthy you are, how you have been faithful, absolutely faithful. So today we come and we praise your name. We worship you today. We express our hearts of love and gratitude and thanksgiving towards you today. We love you. We come today, we're thankful for the opportunity to come as your church. And it truly is an awesome day. And we, we come as your people. And we've gathered and now we ask that you would speak to us. We're thankful for your word that is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, that is relevant, that is timely, that is sufficient and speaks today your truth. And I pray now that you would speak through it. I pray that we would be changed. I pray that homes and marriages would be changed today. 
I pray that through it and through that, you would be honored today. You would be glorified today. I pray for some in this room, in this hour, who may not know Jesus Christ. I pray that in the preaching of your word, in the drawing of your spirit, that today they might put their faith in my Savior, Jesus. I ask that you would move freely. I pray that you would remove any hindrance. And I pray that you be glorified in this hour. I love you and I praise you. I submit this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week in our study, we were in the book of Ephesians, chapter five, and we saw some of the foundational truths concerning the man, concerning the husband in marriage. Now, as I said last week, I believe that is a good thing. In fact, I believe it is a necessary thing for both the husband and the wife, the male and the female, and future husbands and future wives to hear God's plan for each other in our marriages. And I think that is an awesome thing, especially when I think about our young people here, our children here today, those that are growing up, for them to be able to hear this is what God has said concerning the wife, and this is what God has said concerning the husband in the marriage. And so it is an awesome thing, and I believe a necessary thing for us to both hear what God has said concerning our roles in marriage. Well, today, this morning, we pick up and we move over here to the letter of 1 Peter and we're looking at today what I call the husband's responsibilities in marriage. Now, if you remember last week, we saw there in the book of Ephesians that the man is to be the head of the marriage relationship and that is God's plan and that is what he has ordained. The man is to be the head of the marriage relationship. We also saw last week the command, the biblical command, the command of God that the husband is to love his wife. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. He is commanded. That is the, the biblical directive. Husbands, you are to love your wives. Well, today as we continue on, we're going to see some of the responsibilities that go along with that. Now, the truth of today is this. There are responsibilities. God has given us responsibilities in our marriages. Now, that sounds like a simple thing, but that's, that's a very profound thing. That's something we need to establish. God has given us responsibilities in our marriages. In the state of California in 1969 there was introduced for the very first time in our nation the idea or the concept of no-fault divorce. Now, no-fault divorce is defined as the dissolving of a marriage not dependent on showing or finding wrong by either of the married parties. Now, believe it or not, until no-fault divorce, if a couple petitioned the court for a divorce, they had to lay out and the court had to find a fault in the breakdown of the marriage union. This passed in California in 1969. By 1977, nine states had adopted it. By 1983, all U.S. states but two had passed it and adopted it. Today in 2017, 
it for several decades is the common thought in our nation. Well, see the logic of that. You see, in a no-fault divorce, we are saying people can get a divorce for any reason at all. Basically, we're saying the reason for divorce is as simple as we want a divorce. Well, see what comes from that line of thinking. See this this morning. Understand, if there is a no-fault divorce, then there is a no-responsibility marriage. Be sure and see that. If there is a no-fault divorce, then there is a no-responsibility marriage. And when we enter into marriage with no expectation of responsibility for either purpose, we can abandon it for whatever reason we choose. Friends, that's the plan of Satan. Do you see that? That's the plan of Satan. Friends, God has spoken and he's spoken in his word and he has told us there are responsibilities in our marriages. You see, once again, what God has said is sacred, Satan says is stupid. What God has said is dependable, Satan has said is disposable. And where God says before him and before each other, when we take our marriage vows, we have responsibilities. Satan says they do not matter any longer. And so today, we're gonna hear what God has said and what God says concerning husband and men, what our responsibilities are in marriage. I wanna tell you what an awesome thing. God himself the founder, the institutor, the originator of marriage, he says this is how best to live in your married life. He gives us our responsibilities in marriage. Let's look at this verse, pretty deep verse. Let's start, verse seven. Starts off and it says this. You husbands in the same way. You husbands in the same way. Now see this this morning. Peter is talking about here submission. If you read the entire letter, in fact, you read all the verses up until where we're at today, he is talking very clearly about submission. He is saying that we submit to Christ. We submit to the headship of Christ. And then he says, we submit to the government for Christ's sake. That's in chapter two, verse 13. Then he says, in the same way, wives you're to submit to your husbands. That's chapter three, verse one. Well, now moving along, he says again, husbands in the same way. Now, I want you to be very sure here, the husband is to submit as well. Sometimes we think, well, it's all on the female. It's all on the wife and she has to submit and she has this submissive role in the course of marriage. No, listen to me. The husband is to submit as well. The husband is to submit to God's plan for his marriage. We're to submit to God's plan for how we are to relate and how we are to interact with our wives. Very simply, very plainly, there are responsibilities in marriage and we are called to obey what God has said of those responsibilities. And let me say this, there are a lot of men who want to loudly call for their wives to submit to their headship in the home, but all the while they're not submitting to God's plan for the home. 
And I'll just tell you, that's not going to work. They want to go and they want to loudly call that the wife, oh, she's supposed to submit to me. I'm the head of the home. And all the while, they're neglecting to obey what God has called for them in the home. There's going to be problems. In God's directing, she submits to you. But I want to tell you, brother, you better be submitting to him and his plan for your marriage. And so it starts off and it's talking about submission again. You husbands in the same way. And then we find the first responsibility. First responsibility is this. Listen to this, men. Listen to this, everybody. You are to consider your wife. You are to consider your wife. Listen to this. It says, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. You husbands in the same way, there's a submission here. You have to submit to God's plan. Here's the first responsibility. Live with your wives in an understanding way. The word live here, live with your wives, means your daily living. It means in the course of your life. As you go through the days of your life, in your daily living, you're to live with your wife. And then the Bible says, in an understanding way. That phrase means to consider, to be considerate, to think according to knowledge and with understanding. And listen to that again. In an understanding way, it means to consider, to be considerate, to think according to knowledge and with understanding. And what that means is we are responsible to think about her. We're responsible to consider her in the course of our days. When we make decisions, when we decide on our actions, we're to consider her over the course of our days. In her spiritual needs, as I make decisions in this thing, in this decision, I have to decide, does this hinder her walk with Christ? Does this harm her walk with Christ? Or does this help her in her walk with Christ? And as I go through the course of my days, I have to consider her spiritual needs. More than that, her emotional needs. As I make decisions, as I'm considering actions, I have to wonder, is this something that will hurt her feelings? Is this something that will push her down or tear her down? Or is this something that will build her up? I have to consider over the course of my days her emotional needs, her physical needs as well. Does this decision remove something from her? Is she gonna be in need because of this decision? Biblically, we are to think about her, we are to consider her as we make our daily decisions. You see, as Christians, our headship in the home doesn't make us first. It means that we put her first. See, that's opposite of the world's idea of headship. In a Christian home and in a Christian understanding of headship, it doesn't mean that I'm first and it's about me and my comfort. It means that I serve her and I'm to, to consider her in the decisions of my life. How does this affect her spiritually? How does this affect her welfare? How does this affect her emotionally? And that is what the Bible teaches we do as the head of the home. Think about Jesus. Back in Ephesians, it says we're to love her as Christ loved the church. It tells us Christ died for the church. Think about Jesus. He is the head of the church. 
But what does he do? He serves the church. He sacrifices for the church. He even gives his life for those that are gonna be in the church. His decisions and all of them, he's considering the church. That's what biblical headship looks like. We have to consider her in the course of our days. Second responsibility, we touched on it last week. First is this, we consider our wives. Second is this, we care for our wives. Our second responsibility, we care for our wives. The Bible continues in verse seven, it says this. As someone who is weaker, since she is a woman. As someone who is weaker, since she is a woman. Now what does that mean as someone who is weaker? Be sure and understand. It's not talking about intellectually weaker. For sure there's some dumb men out there. I may be one of them. It's not talking about intellectually weaker. It's not talking about weaker in character. It's not talking about weaker morally. It is talking about the obvious thing in that gender, she is physically weaker. Now what that means here, men, husbands, the physical care and the protection of your wife falls on you. I'll just tell you right now, that's outdated. That's that's terribly outdated, that's terribly old-fashioned, the, the feminist movement has made that a chauvinistic statement today, but I want to tell you what God has said in his word, the care and the protection of your wife, and thus the care and the protection of your kids as the man of the home falls on you. It's nobody's job to take care of your wife. It's nobody's job to take care of your kids, but your job. It's not their job. We've talked about this anymore. We both work. Most of us, both of us have jobs, but it's not her responsibility to make sure those needs are met. It's not the church's job to to hand you along and help you along. It's not the government's job to make sure things are taken care of. It's not somebody else's job. If your wife and your kids listen to me, if they have a need as the man of the home, it falls on you. And that's how God has planned it. You see, I think, and this is just my thought, but I'll tell it to you anyway. I think Satan knew if she stopped looking to you for her physical needs, if she started looking to herself for her physical needs, if she started looking to the government or somewhere else for her physical needs, I think Satan knew it wouldn't be very long before she'd stop looking to you for her spiritual needs, her spiritual direction. It's part of Satan's plan. So understand, you're responsible to consider your wife in the daily pattern of your life. You're responsible to care for your wife. And that brings us to the third thing, and it's going to sound very strange. It's going to sound very strange in 2017. Listen to this. Your responsibility is to celebrate your wife. Is to celebrate your wife. And listen to what the verse says. It says this. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life and show her honor. Now to show honor in the original thought means this. It means to give esteem to her. Here's esteem and I give it to you. It means to ascribe value to her. 
You hold a high value and I give you and I point out the value that you hold. It means very simply to give respect. As the man of the house, as the husband of the house, you are to show your wife honor. You are to give your wife honor. Very simply, you are to heap honor on your wife. Now you do that by leading her, yes. And I want to tell you, that's an important thing. You do that by leading her. You do that by protecting and caring for her, yes. But it's also more than that. Listen, you show her honor by building her up. That's what this is talking about right here. You make her know that she is valuable. You let her know her value. You let her know that she is esteemed. You respect your wife and you build her up. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'll just tell you the truth. I've never heard that taught. In fact, I've, I've seen preachers, and I hear preachers, and I hear church leaders, and I hear men, and they do the opposite. And you go around them, and they're making jokes about their wife. And you go down the, to the coffee shop, and they're making jokes about their wife. And more than that, they're talking bad about their wife. And she does this, and, and she messed this up, and she's not able to do that. And more than that, and worse than that, they talk down to their wives. Men, we are to show her honor. We're to heap honor on her. That is our responsibility. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself here for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to tell you this while we're talking about it. We're supposed to teach our kids to do the same thing. Especially when you've got sons, but I'm gonna tell you all your kids, but especially your sons, you're supposed to teach them there to honor their mother and how they talk to their mother and how they obey their mother. You're to tell them, this is my wife and this is your mother and you're gonna honor my wife. And I'm gonna tell you something, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be punished with some time out. You're gonna heap honor on my wife and your mother. Let me show you something else here, pretty awesome. Very telling, it says this. As a fellow heir of the grace of life. It's not talking about salvation here. It's not talking about a fellow heir of, of salvation. Uh, some people say that it's not, it's not what it's meaning in context. Let me show you what it means. What is, that, what is that saying? Grace is God's unmerited favor. That's the definition of grace. And so the verse says this. You and her... The married couple, y'all are fellow heirs of the grace of life. Now keep, keep with me, stay with me. It means you and her are fellow heirs of the favor of God in this life. What it is talking about, it's talking about God's grace shown to us, God's favor shown to us in our marriages. Get this today. Be sure of this. The institution of marriage is a blessing to us. Do you understand that? The institution, God's plan for marriage is a blessing to us. It's not some negative thing. It's not something you have to endure. It's not something you have to heap upon yourself. No, it is a blessing to us. It is a support to us. It is a foundation for us to serve off of. It is a help to us. The institution of marriage, our wives and our husbands operating in God's plan, that is God's grace shown to us. We ought to be careful how we talk about it. We ought to be careful how we guard it, how we, how we cherish the institution of marriage. It is the living God's grace shown to us in this life, our husbands and our wives. How are you gonna serve Christ in a world that hates you? 
How are you going to stand to a culture that's, that's tired of you? How are you going to uphold and live according to biblical truth when everybody wants to tear you down and everybody wants to pull you apart? It's going to be because you have a spouse and in God's favor, he's put you together and you're focused on Jesus Christ and your home points to Jesus Christ and your kids are learning about Jesus Christ and it's God's grace to you. Institutions of marriage is a blessing to us. Tell you something else it is. It's biblical. The institution of marriage is also a witness to the world. Why, why do you think he even has a plan for marriage? It's the, talked about two weeks ago, it's the plan for disciples to be made in the Christian home. Christian marriages are a witness to the world. And so listen to me, when we mess that up, when we downplay that, when we divorce ourselves from God's plan for it, we are left vulnerable. But the world is robbed of a Christian witness. That's why it's a big deal. That's why Satan has attacked it. That's why we have to get back to it. That's why we have to say, yes, we've messed up and yes, we've gotten away from it, but God forgive us and we need a revival in our marriages today. We need a returning to the word of God in our homes today. That's why it matters. Without it, we're left vulnerable. Without it, the world's left without a Christian witness. We need the word of God to consume and to fill and to revive our marriages. That's why this is a big deal. Last of verse seven says this. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Listen, this is God speaking. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Hindered in the Greek means here cut short or even cut off so that your prayers will not be cut off. You're to consider your wife and you're to care for your wife and you're to celebrate your wife and you're to be obedient to God's plan. And if you do not do that, God is telling you you're out of fellowship with him. Your prayers are hindered. They are cut off and you are in sin. Is it that big of a deal? It's what God says. Here's the deal. Faith is shown in obedience. And over and over and over again, I'm seeing that. In fact, that's all I see anymore. Faith is shown in obedience. You want to see a person of great faith, you'll find a person that walks in obedience. They trust this is God's plan, and I trust I know his character, and they walk in obedience. And so I'll just tell you today, don't come strutting around with some big old Bible, and don't come talking about your big faith in Jesus Christ, and don't come talking about your big love for the living God if you're still fine living in your sin. It's about obedience. The man of the house, I have to be obedient to what God has said in my home. And it's not about my desire and it's not about what the experts say, but I have to care for her and I have to cherish and love her. I have to build her up and I have to be obedient to the word of God in my home. We're we gonna obey? Will we obey? Comes down to this. Our marriages, why is this such a big deal? Why does Satan care? Why does God care? Our marriages are to be focused on Jesus. In our homes, in our marriages, we're to be encouraged in our walks with Jesus. 
in our marriages, in our homes. We're to lead our kids and point our kids to a faith and a foundation in Jesus. In our marriages, in our homes, we're to, we're to tell others about the hope that's within us and it's gonna be focused on Jesus. Listen to me, the answer for our homes this morning, whatever condition you find yourself, the answer is the same, it is still Jesus. Maybe some of us need to say, I need to get saved. Moms and dads, I need to get saved. It starts with a, with a foundation of trust, of faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's to save people. We need to say, you know what? We're putting Jesus as the priority in our home. The answer is still Jesus. We're gonna teach our kids about the, the hope in our home. Its name is Jesus. And then a lost world is gonna see something different that stands and it's gonna be the hope of Jesus. We need a revival in our marriages today. We need a returning to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for my Savior, Jesus. Thankful that as I have sinned and as we sin, and sin is grievous, and sin is terrible, sin is slanderous against you, it's a rebellion against you, and yet we can be forgiven of sin because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you I praise you and I worship you, my Savior, Jesus. We come today as we hear these things about our homes, our marriages. I pray that out of our love for Christ, we'd have a returning to the commands of Christ, the word of God, and it would change our homes. And I pray for parents. I pray for kids. I pray for some in this room that, that someday themselves will be husbands and someday they'll be wives that the truth is now being stacked in their mind and in their heart. I, I pray for some of us here with a the, with the mess in our marriages right now and, and troubles brewing and we're not sure where to turn. I pray that today we might understand we turn back to Jesus. We follow his plan for our marriages. Forgive us, yes, but also empower us to repent and to turn and to follow your direction. We come today and we tell you we're thankful for you and for your word. We praise you and we tell you I love you we love you and I pray all this in the powerful name of my Savior my King in Jesus name Amen